Welcome to Mile High Magazine with your hosts, Adam Morgan, Murphy Houston, and Melissa Moore. Mile High Magazine takes a look at the issues and people shaping Colorado, presented by the Public Affairs Department of Bonneville, Denver. Now, here's your host, Melissa Moore. Hi, it's Melissa Moore. Thank you for joining me on this Sunday morning for Mile High Magazine. And thrilled to have with me this week the Executive Director for Rocky Mountain Down Syndrome Foundation. It's Mac Machovich. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Rocky Mountain Down Syndrome Foundation and what all do you do? So we do a lot of things. Um, we were founded in 1981, and uh, since uh, in those years, we've kind of expanded and grown programs. But we do things from, you know, helping folks that may just get a prenatal diagnosis to helping parents that, um, you know, have adults with Down syndrome. And obviously, we help what we call self-advocates, an individual mm-hmm. with Down syndrome. We help them across the life continuum as well. It may be something to do with breastfeeding, obviously, early on in their mm-hmm. lives, or it could be helping with college programs across the country, um, you know, identifying and leading them to those. So we do, we do a lot of things in a variety of ways. That's it. That's pretty broad. Yes. You know, and it sounds like you do, you take care of from the parents all the way through adulthood. Absolutely. And as the needs change. And uh, yeah, and I mean, it's it's just like parenting any other child, you know, um, this has uh, you know, some subtle nuances, but and sometimes parents don't know what those nuances are mm-hmm. until they're faced with them in real time. Um, so we help the parents kind of navigate the various systems, um, get connected to resources, mm-hmm. whatever it may be that they need to help their child be successful in the community. Well, and I'm sure for a parent getting that diagnosis, a little overwhelming at first. Absolutely. Um, I'll be perfectly honest. You know, I consider myself to be somewhat educated and, um, you know, maybe it was just kind of the fog of what they had told me. But when they told me that my son had Down syndrome at birth, um, I really didn't even know syndrome had an E on it. Right. So you go from that to, you know, what about speech therapy or occupational therapy? What about good pre-K schools or, or programs or whatever? So, I mean, it is, it can mm-hmm. be a lot to take in and Really, that's where the Rocky Mountain Down Syndrome Association comes into play. Hey, you don't need to worry about college right now. How's the baby eating? How's the baby sleeping? Things like that. Or Mm -hmm. you come with a specific question because you moved here from, say, North Carolina. We're looking for a good elementary school in the Littleton area. Well, we can help with that. But we, we meet the parents where they are and kind of try and... Uh, help with the the um, stress level, shall we say? No, I'm sure. I'm sure. And it sounds like you're a great resource for the parent and then a resource for the child and then teaching the self-advocacy that's going to happen. When we were emailing back and forth, one of the things that you sent over, and I love this because I've heard this from so many people who have children with disabilities, it, it's about the language used in describing that child. That is one of the first things. And parents get it, but a lot of times other people don't. And it's not my Down syndrome son, it's... My son with Down syndrome. Right. And I think, you know, and I'm I'm by no means trying to turn this political, but I think that we are so divided, and not only here, possibly locally, on the state level, regionally, nationally, but I think people could just take a step back and understand that you're dealing with an individual. Um, You know, it's not my black friend, it's my friend that happens to be black. It's not my glasses friend. It's my friend that happens to wear glasses. You know, I like these people for who they are. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. said it the best, judge me by the content of my character, not the color of my skin. And that's what we're asking here Mm -hmm. as well. Don't 
don't judge them by how many chromosomes they have. Right. Judge them by what they do. And I mean, look, there are people with Down syndrome that are jerks. Mm-hmm. And there are people with Down syndrome that are absolutely wonderful human beings. And judge each one of them individually on their their character. Well, yeah. I mean, isn't that how we should be with everybody? One of the things, I've got a 13-year-old daughter that I love, is that her generation just gets it. Yeah. You know, they don't see that. It's They don't see the color. They don't, they're so different. And they're like, oh, love is love. Right. That person, yeah, they're a little quirky. Right. I'm not going to ask you how old you are because that's very rude. <laughs> but, um, so I, I'm nearing 50 and, and growing up in elementary, middle, high school, I was never around anybody that was differently abled. Um, there may have been someone in a wheelchair in my high school, but I certainly never went to high school with anybody with an intellectual disability, mm-hmm. uh, i.e. Down syndrome, autism, fragile right. X or anything like that. So, yes, you are correct. Your 13-year-old daughter is growing up in a much more inclusive environment, if you can believe that. Like I said, regardless of the divisiveness that's going on, right. um, the kids today, they're used to seeing kids that are in wheelchairs that have autism, have Down syndrome, and they're just like, yeah, I had lunch with a guy with Down syndrome today. What's the big deal? Right. Um, which is funny because, you know, it seems like us adults can't quite seem to learn that lesson or we've forgotten that lesson that maybe we we had as a child or what we instill in our kids, you know, hey, be nice to others. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is kind of interesting that our kids are growing up uh, in a different environment. I think the other thing that I've noticed with my daughter, with her friends, is they don't refer to somebody in their color or their disability. It's just my friend, Matt. I'm like, is Matt the one in a wheelchair? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, but it's never part of the title of who they are. Right. And that goes back to the language. Like you Mm -hmm. said, language is so important. I would like to be referred to as Mac Machovich, mm-hmm. you know, not Mac with a big nose and a funny last name and all this. Um, and Guyan just wants to be referred. My son's name is Guyan. He mm-hmm. just wants to be referred to as Guyan. Guyan is a sixth grade student. Mm-hmm. He's a swimmer. He loves to run, play soccer. He's a big brother to two siblings. Um, he's a grandson. He's a whole bunch of things. Mm-hmm. And Down syndrome doesn't define him. It's just a part of who right. he is. Right. Um, but it's not what he is. Tell me a little bit for folks who don't know about Down syndrome and the chromosomal abnormality. What is it? So Down syndrome is is commonly referred to, well, the technical term is trisomy 21. It's a triplication of the 21st chromosome. So it's a genetic condition, um, just as, as is having red hair, blonde hair, mm-hmm. um, blue eyes or whatever. It's just the genetic makeup of that individual. So with trisomy 21, there are three different types of Down syndrome. There's trisomy 21, which is 95% of all uh, incidences of Down syndrome. There's translocation, which is roughly 2 to 3%, and then mosaic Down syndrome, which is the remaining 2 to 3%. Um, but the most common by far is the Typical trisomy 21. Um, it occurs in one out of every 691 live births. It's not because mom had a glass of wine. It's not because dad smoked a cigarette, you know, or something like that. It just occurs and it doesn't discriminate. Mm-hmm. They used to say that older parents. That is still correct for any genetic condition. Um, and the magic line in the scene is 35 years of age. Um, and there's great debate and there's still research going on. Of, is this caused by the male? Mm-hmm. Is this caused by the, the female? Nobody's exactly sure. People have some ideas and theories on it, but it, nothing's been proven. But once a mother reaches, a woman reaches, reaches the age of 35, her chances of having a child with any type of genetic condition increase. Mm-hmm. The ironic thing is, 80-something percent of babies born with Down syndrome are born to women under the age of 35. Is that right? 
The reason is most women choose to have children, you know, before that age or uh, if they have four, maybe three of them were born before the mother was 35. I think we're seeing that mm-hmm. age trend up okay. as people are deciding to go to college later, get yep. married later. Mm-hmm. So I think you'll start seeing that number trend upwards that, you know, the 85% or whatever it is will go to 80% and so on and so forth as the maternal age mm-hmm. increases. Um, how many people here in the state of Colorado are living with Down syndrome right now? That's a great question. And it's hard to nailed down um, because we're you know top five fastest growing states in the union. Um, so when you have a child with Down syndrome, you may move to the state of Colorado with your 28-year-old daughter with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go register with the sheriff's office or social services. So there are a lot of people living in the state that we just don't know about. What we do know is that there's about 144, 145 uh, babies born with Down syndrome across the state every year. So you, know, you can do some simple math and uh, some projections. We estimate that there's about 4,000, maybe 6,000 on a high end, 4,000 on the low end, probably more like 5,000 people with Down syndrome in the state of Colorado today. And life expectancy has changed a lot. Dramatically. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember it was, I want to say it was around 30. It's about 1984. It was about 25 years of age. Okay. Okay. So right around then. What is it today? Because it's changed for the better. It's over 60. That's incredible. What brought about the change? That's a great question. And it's one definitely worth pointing out and in, in illustrating um, kind of opportunity preceding ability, if you will. Um, but the, in this case, it's that folks with Down syndrome, babies, children were denied adequate medical care. The medical care was there, mm-hmm. um, but it was kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, something may happen, and I'm by no means uh, trying to paint uh, the medical community with you know some bad uh, stroke of paint, but people just didn't know um, that... 40-something percent of people born with Down syndrome have congenital heart disease, and those issues we know are correctable. And so it was access to the proper medical care that fixed the heart, GI issues, um, whatever it may be. And so once their little hearts were fixed or their intestines, whatever it may be, um, once all these medical things were addressed, then we see what we see today. If you've got a child with Down syndrome living a longer life, What does that look like as a parent taking care of that child? On one hand, I mean, you know, you're a parent. On one hand, it's very exciting to think about your child growing up and leaving the nest and and going on to accomplish great things. On the other hand, it can be kind of scary, um, you know, what happens. And I don't care if your child has Down syndrome or um, not, um, you know, are they going to be safe? Are they going to be loved? And are they going to be accepted? And, um, you know, I think what we're seeing, like we were talking about with your 13-year-old daughter, Mm -hmm. is I think the answer is becoming a resounding yes. My son will be safe. He will be loved and he will, he is accepted, but we need to see that continue on. One of the things that I will say, and this is, you know, pointing a finger at RMDSA and other disability organizations, we're kind of behind the eight ball. And I think the increased life expectancy put us there. We weren't expecting to see this quantum leap right. of 40 something years in such a condensed time frame. So we weren't, weren't really looking at meaningful employment, housing, and post-secondary education. So we're kind of catching up on those. I think mm-hmm. we'll be there, you know, maybe in the next five Five, 10 years, there will be more options in each one of those fields for our loved ones, and not just with Down syndrome, but any intellectual disability. But we've got some work to do there. So that's a little bit, there's some trepidation there for me mm-hmm. as a parent and as an executive director of a disability organization. 
but there's a big community working on these things, uh, these issues. So I think we'll, we'll get it dialed in. What about as far as independence and living on their own? So this is the way I say it. I'm going to go back to the Broncos, um, you know, um, Sports Authority, Mile High, whatever we call the stadium now. It seats roughly 75,000 people. And of those 75,000 people, you know, what is the level of understanding of Down syndrome and, and preconceived notions? If you also line those 75,000 people up, not everybody's going to be on the same level. Mm-hmm. So we often get asked about the spectrum of intelligence. Once again, not pointing fingers at anybody else or any other organizations with disabilities. We don't use the spectrum other than the human spectrum of intelligence. I can't tell you. Um, you know, we've got three kids. Guyan's our oldest. He's got a younger brother and a younger sister. Guyan may be the only one that lives independently. You know, we've recently heard about that case couple of months ago, the parents suing their 32-year-old son to get him out of their right, basement. Right. I mean, how crazy is that? Right. That, that guy didn't have, able. Yeah. He didn't have a physical disability. No, he didn't have no. cognitive disability. He just didn't want to get out of the basement. No. He mm. got sued by his own parents to be more independent. <laughs> right. His parents sued him. Right. Um, so there's, there's no crystal ball in this. Mm-hmm. As a general rule, we're also seeing that that level of independence increase as there are more opportunities for job training, sure. for life social skills trainings. So once again, a host of great organizations mm-hmm. addressing these things. So we are seeing more and more folks living independently, semi-independently mm-hmm. than ever before. Well, and that's what I hear from a lot of parents with children with autism. They right. say the same thing. Like, we just don't know. Like right now, we feel good about it, but we don't know. And you won't know until the opportunities come for them to earn and learn independence and right. practice it. And, you know, once again, there's no crystal ball, but there's also no, no guarantees in life. Don't you think, too, that as a special need parent, you have a different appreciation and you also have a different timeline in your head? Absolutely. That's a, that's a great point. We we tend to kind of slow down a little bit mm-hmm. and appreciate things. And, you know, not everybody, this is a generalization, but um, I know speaking for myself, I certainly have, a, you know, nowhere near, I, I guess we can all do it, fall prey to it. But, you know, when I see people that are on the side of the road, I don't know their story. Right. It's a 45 second light, man. Who am mm-hmm. I to judge somebody in the span of a red light? Amen. I don't know who that person is. Right. And they have value as a human being. Somebody in a wheelchair, they're doing amazing things, mm-hmm. you know. You look at watch the Paralympic Games. I mean, there's some crazy wild stuff going on that other human beings are doing. They just do it a little differently. Yep. I mean, you think we're we're here in Colorado and you think about the first time somebody strapped on a snowboard Mm -hmm. and came barreling down Winter Park or something, Mary Jane, and everybody on their two skis looking over and going, (laughs) look at that freak. And now look at snowboarding, right? I mean, something as simple as that. The guy just had one piece of board attached to him instead of two, but an outcast, an outlier. Right, right. Um, now you don't even think about it. And I, I think that's where we're going with disabilities mm-hmm. is it's just so commonplace. It's just, it's everywhere. It's pervasive in the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we were talking a little bit before off air, you know, people with Down syndrome are going to church. They're employed in the community. Uh, they're going skiing at Winter Park. They're doing everything that we're all doing. So everybody just relax a little bit. They don't need your pity. Mm-hmm. They just need your support and your understanding. And I think we'll all be a little better off for that. And just be kind to each other. Right. You know? Novel idea. I know. How crazy <laughs> is that? Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you very much for having uh, having me on and, and giving us the time to, to share our story. Mac Machovich, Executive Director of the Rocky Mountain Down Syndrome Foundation. Thank you for being here. Um, for folks who want some more information, maybe are starting this journey or new to Colorado and want to reach out, where can they get a hold of you? Very simple. You know, the World Wide Web. Get on the line. <laughs> RMDSA. Dot org. That's R-M-D-S-A dot org. All We'd right. be happy to help anybody. 
Wonderful. Mac, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm Melissa Moore. It's Mile High Magazine. Thanks for spending your Sunday morning with me.